What is going on, my friends? I hope you are doing well today. The team at TRE wants to say thank you so much for all the support. Thank you for joining today. This is the Real Estate Podcast, and we want you guys to do us a solid. If you don't mind, can you help us get the message out? We believe that real estate can be for anybody, and we believe there's opportunities for people to grow with us. So if you can, please share, subscribe, like, comment. Thank you for being here on our journey, and we are going to continue to add as much value as we possibly can and try to shake up the industry. Let's dive in. At 24, I realized there's no retirement for barbers. I didn't know about the, four, the, the, the Roth IRAs. I didn't know about that at the time. I have one now, but at the time I didn't know about that. I said, how can I retire at 40? At 40 years old, I want to retire because I don't want to be old cutting hair. Well, I said, if I could get 10 rental properties paid off by 40, and if each property just paid me $1,000 a month, that's $10,000 a month, I think that'd be pretty decent living. And we're live, baby. Rick, thanks for joining, man. Uh, my hair is getting a little crazy. We'll, we'll tap into some stuff there. But uh, hey, guys, welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. It's Matthew Typekey, Alex Kaufman, and we got the People's Barber. Rick. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man. You're down in Corpus Christi where me and Alex uh, have lived there for a little bit of our lives and we love it there. It's a great place. It's uh, on the coast here in Texas. And uh, we were kind of inspired by what you're doing. I always talk about real estate and real estate and what else are you passionate about in life? And real estate is a beautiful thing for everybody listening that you can change your life. You can create generational wealth. But you can also do other things outside of that. And those other things can apply and, and help you build what you do in real estate. So you're there. You're the barber. You're, you've been in the real estate business for 13, 14, 15 years, right? And uh, we're just excited to have you, man. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, why don't you just tell our listeners what's up for a second? Yeah, man. So thank you guys for having me. Like I said, I'm here in Corpus Christi, Texas. My name is Rick, a.k.a. the People's Barber Maureen. Raised on the northwest side of Corpus Christi, went to Roy Miller High School, you know, on the opposite side of the tracks. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm honored that you guys, uh, that we're doing this right now. This is dope. Yeah, man, we'd like to have fun. And uh, yeah, Corpus is a great place, man. And, and the, uh, the properties and the uh, way to approach it is a lot different than Austin. But kind of walk us through, um, you know, the journey as far as real estate and being a barber. And uh, let's just go from there. Cool. So um, started cutting hair about 15, 16 years old. And uh, I cut it because at the, I'm bald now, right? But at the time I had hair <laughs> and I wanted a haircut sometimes twice a week. Uh, Monday, well, Sunday night to get ready for school. And then Friday to get ready for the weekend. Um, and mom and dad were like, yeah, that's not happening. We can't afford that. Like I said, I grew up in you know northwest side of Corpus Christi. Um, no air conditioning in my house till I was 16 years old and in Corpus Christi air conditioning is kind of a necessity. So, you know, it, it sucked, um, coming home some nights and electricity's turned off, you know, mom and dad just couldn't afford the bill. And it, it, it was, it was common. It, we knew just to grab our bikes and go to grandma's house. Cause grandma always had food and electricity. So <clears throat> started cutting my own hair, 15, 16 years old. 
And then uh, friends started asking a while later, hey, man, you get a haircut like every week. Who's doing it? And I was like, oh, me. They're like, can you hook me up? And I was like, sure. So they were horrible in the beginning. And then by the time I graduated high school, they got a little bit better. I was 17, graduated high school semester early. So in December break, I didn't have to go back in January because I, uh, not that I was smart, because it's just the way the schooling system had it set up. We had block scheduling, which you could get a lot of credits really fast. So in January, the counselor, my high school counselor was like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And they're like, you got to go to college. You want to be successful. You have to go to college. I said, okay, I'll go to college. So I get financial aid and uh, go to college. Well, I take my uh, SATs or whatever it's called to get into college. And they were so low that I had to take all remedial classes. So I'm taking four classes. They're all remedials and I'm struggling. I'm making like thirties and forties and I'm, but I'm showing up every day, sitting front row in class. I'm trying my best. I'm going to tutoring. I'm doing everything I can to succeed. And it's just not happening. I get my report card. And like I expected, I failed every single class. Um, at that point, I'm like, all right, well, I'm about to graduate high school, but I just flunked college. Dang, I don't know what I'm about to do now. At that exact moment, I get my report card and a letter from financial aid stating that they're no longer going to pay for my college because I flunked. So now what it states is that your next semester, you have to cover it. And then if you pass, you can reapply. Well, I ain't got money like that. My mom and dad ain't got money like that at the time. So uh, an army recruiter just so happened to call me. At that exact moment, I said, hey, man, uh, Rick Mordine, would you like to join the United States Army? I said, nope. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, you know, we got 100% tuition and we pay you to go to school. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. You do what? He's like, yeah, man, you know, we pay upwards of $2,000 a month for you just to go to school and we'll pay for all your schooling. So then a little, you know, bell rung in my head. I was like, well, maybe because I'm working at the same time that I'm going to college full time. And I'm thinking maybe... If I get paid to go to school, I can do, uh, it'll, be, it'll be my focus and I'll do better grades. So I was like, yeah, I'm interested. So I went to the recruiting station, talked to them. I was game. He said, all right, well, you're only 17, so you need your parents' permission. So came home, told my parents, and mom was like so against it. Dad was, he was against it, but for the reason I wanted to join. He said, why do you want to join? I said, well, dad, they're going to pay for college and they're going to pay me to go to college. He said, nope, I'll get another job to pay for your college. My dad at the time was already working He's always been in public housing, um, uh, general maintenance for the housing authorities, right? For always low income housing. So he was doing that eight to five and he was a make ready guy. So he'd go work at an apartment complex from five to 10, 11 o'clock at night, go doing make readies. And I was like, dad, when are you going to work? He's like, I'll get an overnight job to pay for your college. And I'm like, well, when are you going to sleep? And he's just like, I'll figure that out. You're my son. You're my responsibility. I have to take care of you. And if college is what you want to do, I'll figure it out. Which at that moment, I was like, my dad's a great dad, right? Uh, obviously, from this right here, he's willing to, you know, get no sleep just to take care of me financially and my brothers and sisters. And I'm like, man, I don't want to put that burden on you. So I talked to my uncle who had been in the Army, and he said, well, that's a plus, son. But you also, another plus is you're going to serve your country. You're going to learn discipline. You know, he gave me all the other pluses. I was like, whoa, oh, that sounds dope. So I went back about a week later, told my parents that. And then my dad was like, if this is why then yes, but strictly for money, for college, no. So they let me join, joined at 17 years old. I loved everything about the army. I signed up originally for six years. I loved everything. Um, I joined right before 9-11. Well, 9-11 happens. 
As soon as 9-11 happens, I'm like, oh, crap, we're going to war. And sure enough, um, I'm in now about four years in, and we're about to go to war. And I'm lying. Yeah, about three and a half, four years in. We're about to go to war. We're, we're preparing and training for war. Well, I jumped off a deuce and a half, which is a military truck. It's what you do. You jump off all the time. Well, when I jumped off, I landed in a hole. There was a pothole in the ground. I twisted my right knee and tore every ligament, ACL, MCL, meniscus, everything that every ligament that holds your knee in place, I tore it. It was the most painful thing I'd ever been to in my entire life. Um, the medics came and I was like, if I cry, will this ease the pain? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, holy crap, this is horrible. Unfortunately, the way the medical works in the military at the time when I was in, I've heard it's got a lot better. They said, oh, you'll be better. Let's just ice it down, some ibuprofen and send you to therapy. Well, I did that for six months. And then they're like, you're not really fixed yet. Maybe you need an MRI. So they give me an MRI and realize everything I tore. Fortune for me, I'm at Fort Hood at the time, which is in Killeen, Texas. So I have an orthopedic surgeon. He's like, all right, we're going to have to have surgery, this and this and the other. I said, okay. He's like, hey, man, I'm looking at your file and you're in Corpus Christi. I said, I am. He said, um, why, uh, why don't you want to go home? And I'm like, I would love to go home, but I'm active duty. Like I got two years left. He's like, well, I have the authority to send you home on active duty orders. And there's a great orthopedic surgeon in Corpus Christi at the Naval Air Station who can do the surgery for you. You just have to go to therapy and do all your requirements there at the Navy base. And I'm like, this would be great. So he sent me home and um, to pick up my morale because my morale was horrible. Picked up my morale around family and friends and, and, and everything was great. So I, um, I did the surgery a year and a half, the rehab. And then at year six, it was time to either reenlist or get out. And um, I decided to get out. I felt it was best for me to get out. So I got out with no plans for nothing. I um, told myself I wasn't going to go to college because by then I'm like, ah, college, I don't feel it's for me. I flunked out. I'm not going to do this, which is one of the reasons why I joined the military, which made no sense at the time. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, this entire time, I'm still cutting hair. Just a couple people here and there, maybe four or five people a week, nothing crazy. I come home, my wife, well, now my wife, girlfriend at the time, tells me, hey, um, what do you plan to do with your life? And I'm like, she, I don't know. Like, I have no clue. She's like, why don't you uh, be a barber? And I'm like, a barber? Barbers make $7 a haircut. Like, uh, yeah, that's not decent money. She's like, well, you're not doing anything else with your life. Why don't you try barber school? And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let me try barber school. So I went to barber school and while I was in school, it was dope. Like I was like, this is really a lot of fun. I'm just cutting hair, making, you know, a couple bucks here and there. Cause they're allowed to give you tips. Graduated barber school. And, uh, my sister coworkers, husband owned a barber shop. So he gave me my first job and I went to go work for him. Well, I knew something was different, unique about him. Cause I'm on commission. So the way the barber industry works is you're either hourly commission or booth rental. Most barbers love to do booth rental because on booth rental, you pay out your rent, your weekly rent, monthly rent, and the money you make is your money. Well, the barbershop owner wins on commission because they're making a percentage of every cut you do. Well, I had no customers other than a couple of friends and my, my dad. So I said, let me go commission. So he put me on commission. Well, there would be some weeks where I'd go and Friday or Saturday was payday. He'd be like, hey, could I pay you on Tuesday instead of today? And I've always been financially savvy. Um, my grandma taught me, you know, a little bit about finances. 
fortunate for me when I was in the army, I met a, a guy, my battle buddy, Private Mott, still love that guy to this day. He's the one who taught me everything I know about finances. Like, I didn't know that you're supposed to save money. I didn't. I grew up in a household where you got a paycheck, you spent it. Uh, I had a lot of polo shirts, a lot of Jordans, you know, I had a decent car, but I never, I had no savings for nothing. Well, he taught me, hey, Rick, if you save up this much money, you'll have this much money. And da, da, da. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even think that was physically possible. The first $5,000 I ever saved in my life, I was like, whoa, $5,000. And then $10,000. I'm backing up and going forward a little bit. If you haven't noticed, I got ADD, right? That's yeah, good, <laughs> man. That's hey, great. Yeah, they actually say ADD is the entrepreneur's gene. It's our, it's our curse while we're in school, which is why I flunked out of college, right? But as an entrepreneur, they say it's a blessing. So backing up a little bit while I was in the Army about Mott, he taught me finances, said if you save up X amount of money, by the time you get out the Army, I guarantee you you'll have twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in your bank account. I'd be, I'm 20-something years old. That would be the most money I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, I did it. I got out, and I did it. And I moved back in with my parents and my sister was a teenage mom. She just had my nephew and he was a crybaby. He cried all night long. And I'm like, dad, I can't deal with this dad. Like I'm 20 something years old. I'm still going out with my friends. I need, I want sleep and I can't sleep. This baby's crying. He's not even my kid. I got to get out of here, dad. I'm gonna go rent an apartment and I'm gonna buy me a motorcycle. Right, I had 25 grand saved up. And my dad's like, nope, you're gonna buy a house. And I said, buy a house, no way. 20 years old. I'm 20 some years old. I'm not going to buy a house. Uh-uh, not happening. He's like, I'm not letting you move out this house unless you buy a house. You will never rent. And I'm like, what, what the heck is rent? He's like, exactly. You will never know what that is. I'm 40 years old, guys. I have never paid rent in my entire life. 17, joined the military. It's free. Came back home, lived with mom and dad for six weeks. It's free. The only way I was going to get out the house, dad told me, is if I bought a house. So me and the girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, went looking for a house, found a house, bought my first house. It's on Everhart in Alameda, 1,300 square feet, two-car garage, detached garage, paid $64,000 for that house. When was that? Yeah. What year? That was 20 years ago. So that was in 2003. I was 20 years old when I bought that house. I was about to turn 21. So 2003, 2004, I still own that house till this day. Let me guess, 275. Uh, uh, I wish, I wish. I think realistically 189, 209 is what I'm okay. thinking. Yeah, okay. 275 would be great, right? <laughs> so then, so I move into the house and I'm going to barber school during this time as well. And I'm in the house about three months and my cousin's best friend, he calls me. He's like, hey, man, me and my girl broke up. Your cousin said you got a three-bedroom house. I said, yeah. He said, you want a roommate? And I'm like, Shh. I grew up with a roommate. My brother was always my roommate. I was in the army with roommates. Roommates is all I know. I'm like, yeah, come check out the house. and Let me know if you like it. He comes over, checks out the house and says, hey, Rick, yeah, I like it. You know, can I take this bedroom? I said, sure. I said, how I said, he goes, how much? I said, bro, I don't even know. I've never done this before. What is fair? He's like, how about 500 bucks a month? And we split all utilities. And it's just me and him living in there. Me and my girl, my girlfriend doesn't live with me yet. We're not married, so she's not with me. And um, I'm like, is that fair? He's like, yeah. I said, okay. Well, I was house hacking without even knowing I was house hacking, right? You remember was, uh, what you remember what your mortgage was? Yes, my mortgage was $515 a month. All right. 
And he told me he would give me 500 and we would split utilities. So I'm like, winning. But I was, I was smart and savvy at the time. Even though I was only 20, I said, I'm going to take his 500 and I'm going to apply. I'm still going to make my 515 mortgage and I'm going to apply his 500 towards the mortgage as well. Well, I paid off that 15-year note in seven years. So at 27 years old, I have a paid off house, which is, I don't know about you guys, but in my eyes, that's unheard of, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it, me and the wife have been married now. Um, at this time, we've been married two, three years. I kicked him out, right? I kicked him out, I think around, he stayed with me for like three or four years though. You know, still one of my really good best friends till this day. And uh, when we got married, I was like, hey man, you gotta get out because my wife's moving in now, right? So uh, he, he got out. And me and the wife stayed there, but now my wife has a job. She has income as well. And I'm a barber now as well, making decent money. So I'm like, well, I want to do the same thing I was doing before. I said, you just apply 500 towards the mortgage and I'm going to pay the 515 as well. So combined me and the wife did that for about three or four more years, three years. And that's when we paid it off at 27. Well, at 27, then at, uh, you know, now I think about 28, but for a whole year, I just kept paying myself that same mortgage. So now I had at the end of that year, maybe 15 to $18,000. And I told the wife, we should go buy another house because I've always wanted to have a rental house, right? She said, okay. So we look, we look, we look, couldn't find nothing. So I dumped that 20 grand into the house we were in to fix it up. I stuccoed it, right? That house wasn't stuccoed, but stucco was big at the time. And I liked the stucco look. So we stuccoed it. I remodeled the kitchen. Like I'm doing this stuff and not, I have no clue what I'm doing, right? I'm hiring Joe Blows off of Craigslist at the time, right? And we fix it up. And sure enough, once I spend probably 15 grand, I find a house I like. Well, we find a house we like, right? More me than her. Like she, she'll tell you to this day, she didn't really like that house. But she went with me because I was like, I want a rental house. So the guy, um, if I can be real transparent with you guys, I've been, a, I was a barber for about, two or three years at the time and I wasn't doing my taxes like not doing them at all why because as a young barber we don't they don't teach us that stuff in barber school about taxes right but I kept all my receipts I had shoebox receipts everything so when I went to go look at this house the guy said are you going to apply for a loan I said yeah well then I go apply for a loan and they asked me for the information and I'm like oh yeah two years of tax returns uh how about like two years from three years ago. And they're like, yeah, that's not gonna work. So then I get with my mom who has a friend who's a CPA and she's been with me ever since. And she's like, why haven't you done anything? And I said, cause I'm scared. Like Wesley Snipes, right? I'm gonna go to prison or something. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, that's not gonna happen. She's like, you have everything? I was like, yeah, here are all my receipts. Here's all the money I ever made. I deposited everything in the bank. She goes, you've done everything the right way. You just didn't file. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, we'll figure this out. She figured it out, made it work for me. I owed the IRS a lot of money, <laughs> which sucked, but you know, we paid them. Well, well, that one guy that I wanted the house that I told him, hey, like I can't get financing. And I told him, I was real transparent with him too. I said, would you consider owner financing? He said, no, I'm not interested. I said, okay. And this was in November. Well, then December comes around and if you guys are professionals, so you guys know the winter months, people ain't buying houses, right? They're just not doing it. He still ain't told the house. He calls me. He's like, hey, Rick, I, I'll consider selling you the house owner finance. I said, okay. He's like, the exact same price I have it listed at. I said, okay. He said, but I want 10% interest. And that's about the norm for owner finance. 
but my credit was like high 700s. So I'm like, nah, no, nah, I'm chilling. I'll wait. Like I have no problem waiting two years. He's like, well, what do you want to be at? I said, I want to be at no more than 6%. I said, right now, average interest rate's about five, but you let me be at six, I'll own a finance with you. He goes, okay, I'll do six, but a 10% early buyout. Uh, like if I paid it off early, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Well, then the I bought it. Great. We loved it. That house is actually off of Staples in Yorktown. Great area. I bought that. When, um, I've owned that one now. I'm 40. I bought that at 28. So for 12 years, guess how much I paid for that house 12 years ago? How big is it? Three bedroom, two bath, two car garage, corner lot, eighteen hundred square feet. Hundred and twenty seven thousand. Really close. Really close. One thirty four. All right. But it was owner. It was for sale by owner. So it probably would have been for one twenty seven had it been with the realtor, right? Mm-hmm. One thirty four. Today that house probably two seventy nine. Um we lived That's exactly in- what I was gonna guess. To yeah. The yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so me and the wife lived in that house for about six or seven years. And um, no, I'm lying about five years. And then where Alamo draft house is now, my house would have been the backyard to it. Well, the, the neighbors were petitioning not to build it. They're coming sign to sign this petition. We don't want an Alamo draft house in our backyard. And at the time they said the Alamo draft house they were going to build was going to have the bowling alley, the laser tag, the movie theater, it was going to be a huge one. And I'm like, I'm not signing that petition. And they're like, why not? I was like, cause I want that. I think that's dope. Corpus Christi needs something like that. I love this city. And if someone's willing to spend that type of money to put in here, I'm not signing it. I want it. She's like, it's going to be in your backyard. The traffic we're going to get through here. I said, Mm-mm, it's going to be in your backyard. I'm moving. <laughs> right. So wife says, let's go to parade of homes. And I didn't, because the Alamo Draft House wasn't going to be built for another two years, but we did want to remodel our kitchen and our bathrooms. So wife says, let's go to Parade of Homes. I didn't know go to Parade of Homes is low key. We're going to build a house. I was thinking, go to Parade of Homes, check out what the new homes have. We'll put that in our house. Nope. Did Parade of Homes, end up freaking signing a contract to build a house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that's the house we're currently in now. Um, it's our dream house, you know, um, it's off of Cimarron, Yorktown area, 2,800 square foot, huge lot. We recently, during COVID built a swimming pool in the backyard. So, I mean, we're going to be here for, till my kids grow up. I got three kids. My youngest is, um, she'll be seven in a week. I mean, eight in a week. So we'll be here till they graduate high school at least. Beautiful, man. So you got three properties. Is there any others as of now? Or is that the, is it the three that you've built over? The- so I skipped over a lot. Um, okay. I, um, during, so my first real property that I bought that I didn't live in, that was a full-blown rental, was off of Agnes and Laredo. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and I use pretty much use the same realtor for the most part all the time. And he tells me, Rick, why do you want to buy in that neighborhood? I'm like, remember, I grew up in that neighborhood, like just down the street. He's like, all right. um, Because my dad, my dad, remember I said my dad does make ready, well, at the time did make readies and handyman. So my dad is my inspector. 
Mm-hmm. I bought houses with never looking at them. Just send my dad with the realtor and my dad will come back. Yes, yeah, son, I think it's worth it. Or no, nope, it needs this, this, and this. And it's your call. So he's like, your dad going to come look at it with me? I said, yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, because I can be honest, if your dad didn't come with me, I'd carry a gun. <laughs> the realtor's saying this, right? He's uh-huh. freaking out. It's a one bedroom, one bath, 600 square foot house. They want 21,000. Dad goes, checks it out. He's like, foundation's jacked, but it's livable. He's like, the man's living in it. He's like, you could feel it, but very livable. I said, okay. I said, uh, I offered him 18 grand cash. And they said, no. I said, okay, no worries. And the realtor came back. It was around Labor Day. So it was like, this was two weeks before Labor Day. Well, come the week before Labor Day, my realtor says, hey, Rick, he says he'll take, they wanted 21. I offered 18. He says they'll take 19 if you close before Labor Day, which is going to be like in 10 days. And I said, tell him 17 and I'll close before Labor Day. He's like, oh, crap, Rick. And I'm, I'm the guy that's like, the worst they can say is no. That's the worst they can say. So he comes back. He's like, holy crap, Rick. He said yes. And I'm like, great. Now what? He's like, I'm on my way to the barbershop because I'm cutting hair at the time. He called me. It was a Friday. Friday's the busiest days in the barbershop. I came to the barbershop. I signed paperwork. We closed in six or seven days. I went in there. Me, my dad, and his friend, we put lipstick on a pig. We put new uh, vinyl flooring, painted it, new ceiling fans and uh rented it out for 600 bucks a month well the person who rented it was a barbershop client they weren't my personal client but they came to my barbershop which is why i love cutting hair because the network i have right the network of people everyone i mean i know the janitor down the street and the ceo of the big corporation right so she rented it for three years It's time you start taking action on your future and start taking care of your income. One way that you can do that this year is with wholesaling. With wholesaling, you don't have to buy all these properties. You don't have to have good credit. You don't have to have a lot of money. But with wholesaling, you can stack up your cash to then go and buy real estate to create generational wealth. We've had some major wholesale fees, upwards of $700,000 plus. And the way that we've done this is by a proven process. We've done this for a long time. And we figured out the key to identifying motivation, getting properties under contract, connecting them with a buyer, getting it sold and getting paid our money. We have a wholesale course that is just for you that explains this entire process. This course is a jumpstart to wholesaling. It is designed to get you to take action. It tells you the bullet points, it tells you the highlights, and it covers in a very direct way exactly what you need to do with the following action steps to then go and take action on starting to make money in wholesaling. It covers how to identify deals. It covers the different types of sellers, going under contract with sellers, finding buyers, marketing to buyers, going under contract with buyers, and seeing it all the way through closing to get paid a big wholesale fee. Make sure you sign up for the wholesale course. And look, I'm going to make you an exclusive offer. Just because you're listening to our podcast, The Real Estate Podcast, we're going to give it to you for 50% off. You're going to have a coupon code. Make sure you sign up. And then when you're checking out, make sure you use coupon code lowercase T-R-E for 50% off just for you. This deal won't last for forever. And I want you to get out there and make 2023 the best year you possibly can. Well, you do the math. She paid it off for me. She mm-hmm. gave me back all my money, all the 20 grand, the 19 grand I had invested in. She gave all that back to me in three years. Yes, they messed it up a little bit. When she moved out, I had my handyman in there fixing some stuff up. Some man drives by and asks my handyman if the house is for sale. And the handyman's like, I don't know. Here's the owner's number. He calls me and says, hey, is the house for sale? I said, well, shoot, everything's for sale. He said, how much you want? I said, well, technically I had 20 in it. 
if I can double up, I'd be great. I said, 40 grand. He said, I'll take it. I said, holy crap. I just flipped a house without knowing I was about to flip a house. Well, then he says, we meet and to sign the paperwork. He goes, oh, but I want you to own or finance it. I said, I will 10% interest. He said, I'm okay with that. I said, okay, <laughs> I want $5,000 down. He said, yes. I said, okay. He goes, oh, and I only want a six year note. I said, even better, right? Because let's be real, $35,000, that's a car note, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I flipped my first house without knowing I was about to flip a house. So I took that money, the 5000 he gave me, and then I had some other money. And I said, now I got to find another property. Well, I honestly, I mean, long story short, to date, I have 15 rental properties. Right on. Um. And all I did was take the money and, and I know, I mean, I listened to y'all's podcast and one of the recent ones that I listened to y'all talk about Dave Ramsey. And if you go the Dave Ramsey route, it'll take you a lot longer than someone who uses finances. I totally agree with that statement, but I am a man who's looking at you and telling you, I did the Dave Ramsey method. I, of uh, cash. Every, oh, paying every down rental, early. Every rental house I own. 100% cash. Mm -hmm. Now, did it take a long time? Just like you stated. Yeah. From my first rental property to the most recent that I paid cash, 12 years. From my first rental property to my first rental property, I paid cash three years, but it was only eight, 17 grand, right? So it wasn't a lot of money, but then I, and I just did the next thing. So then the next house I bought, the next rental property was a $40,000 property. The next rental property was an $80,000 property, but I'm a huge saver. So I can take that rental money, all my rental money right now, even to this day, all the rental money gets put into a savings account and I don't touch it till the end of the year. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, I have upwards of $300,000. Now I can pull, I, we, I do pull out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. We pull out, you know, go on a vacation. Let's take out some of that fun stuff like that. Right. But at the end of the year, I have 250 to $300,000. Well, that's a lot of money. That can go buy me two houses in a decent neighborhood or four in the hood where I'm from. And I have no, I buy all over. I've got houses in the hood. I've got rental properties on South side as well. I got rental properties five minutes from where I live. So now percentage wise, my hood houses make me more money than my South side houses. You know, if we go by percentage, if I were looking, cause I always still look at every property. If I had a mortgage, what would my cash flow be on it? Right. Mm -hmm. I still look at it that way, even though I don't have a mortgage. I only have out of the 15, I have a mortgage on two of them. And I just started that last year because I've been listening to podcasts very similar to y'all. Um, and I was like, you know what? Let, let me just try it. Let's see what happens. And yeah, so last year I bought a, um, uh, I bought, I'm lying, I'm lying. Two years ago, I bought a studio condo off of Whitecap um, to use as Airbnb. Cause me and the wife and the family were going out there once a month, spending five, 600 bucks a weekend um, just to enjoy the beach in Corpus Christi and not have to drive 20 minutes home. Right. We're just spoiled that way. So I said, screw it. Let's just buy a condo for ourselves. We bought that. I financed that, um, but only financed 50% of it. I put 50% down, only financed the other 50%. And then, and once again, I recently started sharing my real estate journey on social media. Well, my high school teacher, Facebook messaged me last year. Hey, Rick. Well, growing up, it was Ricky. So she was like, hey, Ricky, I have a house. I'm thinking of selling. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go about doing it. Can you guide me and help me? And I said, of course. 
I said, um, do you want to owner finance it? Do you want a real estate agent? Like, what are your thoughts? She told me her thoughts. I said, how much are you going to ask for the property? She told me how much she was going to ask for it. And I said, you don't mind. I'd like to look at the property. She said, yeah, for sure. So me and my dad go look at the property. And she built this house brand spanking new off of Staples and Lipes. Lipes wasn't even called Lipes back then. It was called something else, right? She still has the um, survey. Well, she paid, I don't know what she paid, but she built it in 1984. Well, I bought it last year, but it looked like 1984 inside. Still mm -hmm. the same door handles. Other than the roof, plumbing, foundation, and HVAC, everything was the same, which those are the guts. That's what you want to be good, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else was cosmetic. So we struck a deal. I bought it. I did finance that one, 50%. I put 50% down, financed it. And I said, uh, let me rent it out. I um, put about 10 grand in it, 10, 50, yeah, about 10 to 15 grand in it, um, remodeling it, putting it up to date, put it on, uh, on my Facebook for about two weeks. Didn't get many hits. It's, it was pricey. It was 1950 a month, um, which I didn't think was pricey for the area, but some people thought it was too pricey. Well, then I put it on Zillow. Within two hours, had six applicants. That evening, had someone paid full deposit and first month's rent. So they've been in there for about four months now. Then two months ago, it was November. Yeah, November. I said, man, I'm itching because I put in an offer for another house. Well, they denied my offer, right? They said, no, we're going to go with the higher offer. And at that point, that, that one was a little upsetting because it was a principal. I didn't increase my offer strictly because of principal. They, they, they put the house on the market for 75. It was off of Mercado, um, in the Oso, Oso area, right? Mercado in um, airline area by Oso Park and all that stuff. Three bedroom, one bath. Needed 40, 50 grand worth of work. They wanted, they put it on the market for 75. No, 80, 80. They put it on the market for 80. Me and the realtor and my dad go look at it. Told the realtor, look, I'm willing to give 75 for this. He said, okay. He's like, let's start at 60. I was like, hell yeah, go for it. So we start at 60. They come back. It's like, hey, well, they got a couple offers. Do you want to increase it? I said, what do you suggest? He's like, I suggest 70. I said, okay, let's do 70. So he does 70. They come back again. Hey, Rick, they said if you can do 75. And I said, man, I went from 60 to 70. I said, I did say 75. I wouldn't mind paying. I said, but now I feel like they're just tugging at me. I said, tell them let's meet in the middle. 72.5. Let's split the difference. They came back. Thank you. We've accepted another offer. I was like, those mother effers, right? I was pissed. Because <laughs> I had the 20, 2,500 was nothing. But uh -huh. it, it was principal. Uh, and I, that's the part. It's still, and I, I know we're not supposed to get, you know, personal with this. It's business. But every so often, I still get a little personal nudge with it, right? So I didn't get that one. And I'm like, dang it, man. Now I want another property. I want another property now. Well, I just put it on Facebook. I put, hey, guys, put in an offer for a property. Didn't get it. Anyone got anything willing to sell off market properties only hundred grand or less. Let me know what you got. And my old neighbor, he moved about a couple years ago. He had a duplex that I connected him with. I didn't want the duplex at the time. I connected him with him and he hits me up. He's like, Hey Rick, I'm not in Corpus anymore. And I'm considering selling the duplex. I was like, nice. What do you want? He's like, well, I've been offered. Uh, I think he said he was, he's someone had offered him 80 for it. And it's in the hood. 
And I was like, there's no way anyone's offered you 80. No freaking way. I've seen that duplex. It's a dump. No way. I said, what are you getting a month? He said, 700 a month. I said, okay, well, I mean, it's, you know, 1400 a month in, ca in cash. Yeah. And they're, 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 one was rented, one wasn't. So I said, all right, let me think about it. I said, right now, the most I'll give you is 60. No, I said 50. I told him 50, right? I always lowball everything, right? And he's like, yeah, I couldn't take that. I said, okay, well, the next day I thought about it and uh, actually called my client because my client owned that duplex before he sold it to my neighbor. So I said, hey, Justin, what did you sell the duplex for three years ago? He's like, I don't know. Let me look at the paperwork. He said, I sold it to him for 60. I said, okay. So I hit up my neighbor on Facebook and say, hey, man, I thought about it. I'm willing to give you 65 cash, close in 10 days, sight unseen. You don't even have to give me a key. You don't have to tell me nothing. I just drove by and that's it. He's like, deal. I was like, all right, let's do it. So we did that deal last, um, like we closed in first week of November and my guys are, I'm just gutting the whole thing. Like foundation was jacked on the one that's not rented. Um, it just looked super. I'm the type that every rental house that I have, I would personally live in no matter the location, because I want to be able to, what if I have to go live in one of my rentals? I want it to be up to my standards. My real estate agents, like you guys, the professionals always tell me, Rick, you're overdoing it. Guys, I put granite and quartz in the hood. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, butcher blocking for Micah, you know? And I'm like, no, because this is going to last forever. And I won't have to deal with it forever. Same thing with this duplex. One of them that's empty, we just gutted it. So they're redoing the foundation, should be done by the end of this week. Took off, the stucco was like 1950 cement, thick stucco, took all that off. Put, we're going to put all new windows, all new doors. I'm going to put HVAC, reroute plumbing, um, new electrical. I mean, hooking up washer and dryer hookups because it didn't have them. Um, new custom cabinets. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to dump probably what I paid for it in it. But I won't have to deal with it because I, I, I like long-term money. Do I flip? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I flipped here and there. I've done other flips as well. That it will, If we have time, I'll talk about that flip as well. But I like long-term money. The reason I got into real estate because at 24 years old, I became a licensed barber. At 24, I realized there's no retirement for barbers. I didn't know about the, four, the, the, the Roth IRAs. I didn't know about that at the time. I have one now, but at the time I didn't know about that. I said, how can I retire at 40? At 40 years old, I want to retire because I don't want to be old cutting hair. Well, I said, if I could get 10 rental properties paid off by 40, and if each property just paid me $1,000 a month, that's $10,000 a month, I think that'd be pretty decent living. Mm -hmm. Well, at age 37, I did 40. So the wife's like, okay, so what do we do now? And I was like, now we just buy one every year. And she's like, to when? And I was like, to forever. She's like, forever? And I'm like, yeah. How dope would that be? Statistically proven. I'm going to die before her average age of a male in America, 78 to 82. I'm 40. I have 15. Now, if I do live to be 80, that'd be sick. 55 rental properties. If just one a year, last year I did two or three last year, I did three. We do the duplex 65 rental properties that I'll be able to leave for my three children. Now imagine what with the financial advice that I'm instilling them, instilling in them 
with God's grace and God's blessings and teaching them the word as well. I'm a man of faith as well. And none of this is possible without him. Amen. Tithe on every, I believe what I have is what I have because I tithe on everything. Uh, just this last year, it was literally tears in my eyes telling my wife, this is what we tithe. We tithe more than what we've made when we were first married that fir first couple years. We're tithing more annually than what we made annually. This is ridiculous. But um, just imagine through my three kids having 65 homes, not to include, you know, other investments that we've had and made. What, what, what it's going to do for them. There's a verse in the Bible in Psalms that says uh, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I take that literal. Not only I, I know what the Bible means is to teach your children, bring them upright in, in my name, in his name, in his house and teach them his ways. But I also took it literal inheritance as far as finances and belongings and properties, because if my mom and dad were able to give that to me. I mean, the sky would be unlimited, right? Same thing for them. Now, every book and every study I've ever read as well also says Gen 1, which is me and my wife, we created the wealth. Gen 2 progresses the wealth about 25 to 50% on top of what mom and dad did. Then it says Gen 3, most of the time, loses it all. Yeah. Which I'm like, no, I didn't want, I don't want to bust my butt this hard for my grandkids to lose it all. Well, then it also states the main reason for it is because Gen 2 didn't teach Gen 3 the finances portions. They kind of just gave everything to them because everything was kind of given to them. Does that make sense? What if, uh, what if Gen 1 teaches Gen 3, just like your grandparents taught you? That's the goal. That's, that's what I pray. And that's the goal, right? Like, like I said about Dave Ramsey, I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan too. Cause some, I, I, what I'm sharing with you guys, I share with a lot of people and some of my barber customers, my clients, they say, well, Rick, what if your son does something that you don't approve of? Does he still going to get some of the inheritance? I said, no, if one of my sons grows up and becomes a drug addict and moves away from God, well, guess what? You're moving away from God. You're moving away from this family and this legacy and this inheritance as well. I love you. I'm going to do what I can for you, but you're not going to waste what I built. That would be uh, irresponsible of me to gift someone like that, that type of um, money and legacy and, and inheritance. Right. So that's why the goal is my, 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 my kids are in school right now, but my oldest is 11. If you he were here, we could ask him. His name's Ricky. Ricky, how, do people just give you money? I've been teaching this to all my kids since they were three. Do people just give you money? No. Well, how do you get money? Well, you have to work. Oh, people don't just give it to you? Why would they do that? My point exactly. I feel as if some people's the allowance, I'm not a fan of the allowance because when you give a kid an allowance, when they get older, they're going to expect an allowance. Hey, where's my allowance? I'm, I'm 20 years old now, but I'm supposed to get an allowance. Where's the allowance? If we do the commission, you work, you get paid. How do you make money? You work. If you want to make money, you work. There's all, you know, my, I cut the grass. If I don't feel like cutting the grass, I'll tell my 11 year old, hey, you want to make 25 bucks? How? Go cut the grass. Uh, okay, okay, I'll go cut the grass. Sometimes he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, damn you. Now I got to cut the grass. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. Yeah, that's a really beautiful story. I mean, uh, 
you know, everything that you went through. And we don't have anything against Dave Ramsey. Uh, you know, there's no right or wrong way. And you've obviously done it the right way and built up something amazing. I mean, 15 rental properties, 300 grand a year in cash flow. Uh, and you, you got about 40 more left in you, right? <laughs> That's the goal, right? That's the goal. Yeah, man. Like you said, and, and there's, there's, there's different ways for everyone. Everyone's, everyone's way, everyone's drive is different. This is just, I, I'm, I'm big on, because a lot of people, Rick, if you would have done it the regular way, the Burr method or this method or that method, yes, but I like the word I'm looking before the like a, a, an overcast of not necessarily mm -hmm. overhead but dang it's just I miss I can't think of the word yeah I, know I like yeah I like not having that overcast of that what if right okay another example during COVID I only had about maybe 10 or 11 properties all of those properties at the time paid off. I'm in a lot of real estate Facebook groups, a lot of real estate uh, podcasts, things like that. Well, no, Rick, you're doing it wrong. And that's the thing, right? That's what I love about you guys, because you guys are like, no, we don't have nothing against Dave Ramsey. It's, it worked for you. Great. Most people in the real estate profession, no, Rick, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do this method, and you're supposed to get a loan and use other people's money. And I'm the fact, I don't want to use other people's money because what if I can't pay the other people? then I'm obligated. And, and, and once again, the Bible says the, the slave, the, the lender is a slave, right? The slave is a, a, I'm messing up the terminology. The borrower is a slave to the lender. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. Exact terminology. The borrower is slave to the lender. I refuse to be a slave to the bank. Now, do I believe you can not necessarily manipulate, but use it to your advantage? Of course. I know you guys do it. I know lots of people who do it. But then COVID hit. Oh, the government would never not let people pay rent. No, that would never happen. And then what happened? Government said, hey, renters, if you can't pay rent because you ain't got a job, don't worry about it. But the landlords who had mortgages, you still had to pay the mortgage. Like, you still have a responsibility to pay that mortgage. Now, all these people are like, and I'm like, see, I mean, I hate to be the guy I say, I told you so or anything, but I'm not worried about if they pay me. Now, do I want the money? Yes. But if they don't pay me, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, it, I don't have a mortgage to have to go pay. It doesn't affect my life right now. Fortunate for me, and I believe it's because of the grace of God, every single one of my renters paid me during COVID. Not one of them told me, hey, Rick, I can't pay because of this or because of the other. Not one of them took advantage of that. Now, some of them did, needed an extra week maybe an extra two weeks. And I was like, you know what, during this time frame, no late fees, don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it, just pay your rent. And you know, they were extremely happy with that as well. We were happy we were getting rent because I knew a lot of my friends who were landlords, they're like, nope, I got four houses and none of them are paying. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's inspiring. It's, it's a great story. Uh, you can hear the excitement and, you know, just kind of following along from where you came from. You know, I, I was in the, uh, big brothers program out there and Dominic, my little brother out there lived in that area. And so I was, I was over there with him and I, I saw that life. I didn't grow up in it, but I saw it. Um, so I know where you came from and, and where you're at now and then putting the biblical spin on it, man, that's inspiring. And, you know, God's obviously blessing you and what you're doing. And 
100%, man. We, we support – the way we look at it is it just depends what your goals are, right? Like there's different paths and, you know, some people – I know plenty of people that have 10, 15 paid off, and I'm like, man, that sounds really cool. We're leveraged up and, you know, we're, we're going big, big or trying to, and not that one's better than the other. Um, so it's really cool. I'm glad that you, you mentioned that. And also it's, it's a blessing to be where you're at, where you can buy these houses a little bit easier with cash where here in Austin, you know, it's three fifty. you know, so shoot, man, a couple of those, but when you start snowballing it, like you did, it can really pay off. And I love how these like incidents happened where you owner finance, you owner finance to someone else, you flipped it, you kind of learned all these creative ways to go about real estate by just being in it where some people kind of sit and they want to learn everything and they want to study, but you got to just jump in and figure it out as you go. I'm sure you and us still, we're constantly learning. There's always something new, something creative. We love it, man. It's, you know, a man of God, barber, investor, uh, sharing your story, inspiring people. Uh, really, really, you know, enjoyed listening to all this. If you had uh, one last thing to leave all the listeners of this podcast with on a mindset or what they should be doing right now to uh, start their investing journey, what would it be? It's going to be real simple. Be like Nike and just do it. Come on. <laughs> That's it. The, fir 100%. the first one, the first one's the hardest one. The first one is always the hardest one. Once you get that first one done, it, it, it's cake. Everything else just is just smooth rolling. Now, not smooth rolling, but now you got, now you got the boat moving and the waves are coming and can help you get with that. Yeah, man. Just, just do it. Just do it. Rick, you're the yeah, man. man. Uh, we plan to uh, do some more stuff in Corpus and I'm coming there somewhat regularly. So uh, I'll reach out to you if that's cool. And um, yeah, this is great, man. So everybody, you know, thanks for listening. How can uh, people get a hold of you if they want to connect? Uh, Instagram at the people's barber. It's D a people with an S barber. And uh, Facebook, same thing as Rick, the people's barber. A lot of people say, why you go by the people's barber, right? Because now I'm bro, I'm, I've had the opportunity to teach. I went on a four-week tour in China before COVID and toured the country teaching American barber style to the Chinese people. And I've been in front of, you know, CEOs of big corporations showing them some barber skills. And they always ask, why is it the people's barber? Because they always say, oh, the people's barber? I said, like, no, the people's barber. They're like, why? I said, like, because I'm from the hood. I had to keep it a little hood. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Hey, sticking true to your roots, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, really cool to see, man. So God bless you, brother. And everybody who's listening, make sure to uh, comment. Let us know if you want to uh, connect with Rick. Subscribe to the channel. Share with your friends. We are here to be a resource. Rick here is proof. One thing that I always say is that real estate provides opportunities for everybody, no matter, you know, income level, race, whatever it may be. We've seen it. We continue to see it. Uh, it's a grind. It ain't easy. It's a long-term approach, but uh, anybody can do this. And Rick is 100% proof of that. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, God bless you all as well. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rick.